So John, John texted me uh, Friday night and said, uh, I'm sick. Can someone fill in? I said, I'd be glad to. So what we're going to do actually um, is next Sunday he's going to preach on what he was going to preach, and this Sunday I'm going to preach on what I was going to preach, so we're a little bit out of, out of context here. But uh, we can circle back and get that. So I'll be covering uh, Matthew twenty twenty nine through thirty four today. If you have notes, if you don't, if you want notes, there's there was some back there. So so I was sort of prepared. Actually, you know, it was a God thing because I had actually started working on next week, this past week, um, which, as many pastors will tell you, that's not the usually the way it works it's usually last minute um but i haven't gone through this a lot i'm not making excuses here but this could be a short sermon or just it could be a really long sermon so so hang in there we'll we'll see how we'll see how god leads us to go today so matthew 20 29 through 34 says and as they went out of jericho a great crowd followed him and behold There were two blind men sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight, and followed him. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you today, and um, we just thank you once again for your word, for the many blessings you give us, Lord. Uh, Father, as we see the needy, Lord, that uh, that we would have that heart uh, that Jesus has and compassion on them. Uh, we've discussed uh, an opportunity this morning already, Lord. Father, um, just take me out of it. I just want it to be your words through me and uh, the message that you would have us to hear today. For it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. If you have my notes, um, I'm I'm not a real good script follower, uh, so I kind of write thoughts down, and then I may jump off somewhere else. So don't expect it to go exactly like it says in there. So as they start out, and they're starting out of Jericho, um, they're headed to, to Jerusalem. I mean, he's going to the cross. This is the, this is the last journey. These two blind men cry out, "Son of David!" So, "Son of David" is is the title of the Messiah. Uh, if you look at, uh, and I I did put these all in here. Um, I'm going to read them just in case you didn't have notes. But Matthew one one says, "The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham." Matthew twelve twenty three. all the crowds were amazed and were saying, this man cannot be the son of David, can he? Matthew fifteen twenty two. and a Canaanite woman from the region came out and began to cry out saying, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon possessed. Matthew 21, 9, the crowds going ahead of him and those who followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Mark 10:48 many were sternly telling him to be quiet but he kept crying out all the more 
Son of David, have mercy on me. Mark twelve thirty five, And Jesus began to say as he taught in the temple, How is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the Son of David? John seven forty two Has not the Scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? Romans 1, 3, Concerning his son who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh. 2 Timothy 2, 8, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. And Revelation 5, 5, And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping, behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. Son of David was the title of the Messiah. That's, that was the, as the Jewish people understood that the Messiah would come through the line of David and be the son of David. He was the promised, uh, David was promised that one of his offspring would rule forever. Jesus was called the son of David while he was here on this earth, on the earth. He was born in David's city, Bethlehem. The Gospel of Matthew records that various people on six different occasions acknowledged Jesus as the son of David. This is a messianic title. Jesus never denied he was the son of David. In fact, on Palm Sunday, he received the praise and worship of the people. So it says, as they went out of Jericho, Jericho was about 16, uh, 15.9, 16 miles from Jerusalem. So he's 16 miles from his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And Jesus is followed by a multitude. So if you look at Mark... 10, 46 through 52. Flip over to Mark. You'll see there's some slight differences in this story. Um, Mark says in um, 46 through 52, and they came to Jericho And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was said that it was Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling to you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. So in Mark, Mark only really records the one blind person. Matthew talks about both of them. Uh, Mark gives the guy a name. Typically, in a situation like that, somebody's the spokesperson. And uh, so Bartimaeus, so if there was one, I mean, if there was two, there was one, right? There's a whole study about this if you want to get into that. But but there's no discrepancy here because Jesus heals a blind man. He, he heals two blind people. So that's where we have to we have to look and let Scripture comment on Scripture and back and forth and study the Word so that we understand those things. When people come to us and say, there's a discrepancy here, there's not a discrepancy. If you study God's Word, you'll find no discrepancies in God's Word. But some people outside will try to 
That's why we have to be ready to give an account for what we believe. So, um, so were they going into um, Jericho or were they going out of Jericho? Matthew says, as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. Mark says, as they came to Jericho and as he was leaving Jericho. So there's two Jerichos. In, in uh, archaeologically, if you look, there's two Jerichos. There's the old Jericho that, that Joshua conquered. And then the Romans built a new city called Jericho, which was about a mile apart. So this could have very well happened between the two Jerichos as they traveled on the road to Jerusalem. So if you, if you look at it, there's no discrepancy there as well. And so just remember those things when you study that there's sometimes we have to look at who Matthew was writing to, who Mark was writing to, who Luke was writing to, and the and the crowd, the the people that they were addressing at the time. So, um, if you look at Isaiah twenty nine, flip over there. So Isaiah twenty nine eighteen says, "In that day, the deaf shall hear the words of a book." And out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind shall see. And in uh, Isaiah 35, 5, if you just flip over a couple pages, it says, I hear pages, so I'll wait a second. So Isaiah 35, 5 says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame man shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute Sing for joy, for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And it goes on. So these these blind beggars understand from God's word back in Isaiah, the blind will see. That's that's part of the part of the promise that the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will leap, all these things. So they, they know if they're making that statement, Jesus is the son of David. They are proclaiming him as Messiah, and they know what he's capable of, and they know that he can restore their sight. So they cry out to Jesus in spite of the rebuke of the crowd, acknowledging who he is, the son of David. Their cries are heard above the din of the crowd. Think about this picture. It says a multitude of people. Now, I don't know how many people that is, but I assume that's a lot. So when you talk about a multitude, that's a lot of people. So all these people are following Jesus on this dusty street. They're all going to head and follow him to Jerusalem. These guys are off to the side where beggars are supposed to be, and they're crying out to Jesus, and they're telling him, "Hush up, you know, hush up." And so they cry louder. So think about think about the passion and the amount of. Uh, energy that's going into what they're doing, that they cry out so loud that Jesus can hear them over the crowd. Because if you've traveled with a bunch of people in a crowd, you know, there's a lot of noise, a lot of din going on and, and all this. So they continue to cry out, and they and their cries were heard above the din of the crowd. I'm one of those people that I hear really well, except when I get in a crowd and, and all I hear is noise. So, you know, somebody's got to be pretty loud for me to pick that out above the noise of the crowd. 
So these men have faith that Jesus can have mercy on them and heal them. They're physically blind, but their faith gives them sight. He's the Messianic King, God Almighty, and the mediator of God's blessings. So their faith and their persistence gets Jesus' attention. He interrupts his journey to the cross to minister to them. Think about what where Jesus is going right now. This is the culmination of his ministry. He's on the road to Jerusalem. He knows what lies ahead. He's going to the cross for us, that we can have eternal life, that we can have salvation. This is the most important part of what he's doing. The going to the cross and the resurrection, this is it. I mean, this is this is it. But he stops. And he has compassion on them. Are we willing to stop our journey to minister to other people? Um, is the cry of the needy drowned out by the din of our surroundings? Do we have better or greater things to do? Are we, are we reflecting Christ on our walk to our final destination, which is heaven? You know, I think you look... And uh, in, in our lives today, we're so busy, and that's all of us. We're all busy. We have so much going on. And how many times have we, the Holy Spirit said, you probably should stop and do something here. And we just, we had an appointment. We got to make that. We got to be there, you know. And, and, and I mean, I'm guilty of that. There, there's been times that I drove by, and later I thought, that was the Holy Spirit telling me, I I should have stopped and listened and ministered and was what I had to do so much more important than ministering to a person. And um, I can't get those back. Once I went by, I can't get that back. So I think if we walk in the Spirit and we're continually listening to the Spirit, when He calls us to do something, do what Jesus did. Stop and, and take heed and listen and see what it is we can do. Matthew Henry said, and if you've uh, ever read his commentaries on the Bible, um, Matthew Henry said, Why are we ever so much in haste about any business? We should be willing to stand still and do good. He also said, There's none so blind as those that will not see. So Jesus calls to them, and um, he has them come to him. And if you if you look at the other the other scriptures in Mark and Luke, and he he has those people that were telling them to shut up and be quiet, bring them to him. So there's a little irony there. It's like, you know, just be quiet, be quiet. Jesus is like, no, you go get him, bring bring him here. Jesus having them come to him is the sign of a king. Kings don't go to you. Think about Jesus' ministry. People came to him. He went to people. But this is a real picture on the road to Jerusalem, on the road to the cross of his kingship. He has them bring the blind people to him. So if you're in the court of a king, courtiers bring you before the king. You couldn't just walk up to the king. Someone had to bring you to the king. And then kings will ask for formal proposals. So once you get your your uh, audience with the king, then they're going to ask you, 
What is it you want me to do for you? Which is what Jesus does. So in this picture of these two blind men coming before Jesus as the king, the dusty road to Jerusalem becomes the king's palace because these two blind beggars recognize Jesus for who he is. The educated Pharisees, they missed what the beggars saw with their hearts. Think about Jesus' words. These Pharisees are like blind men leading the blind. You know, it sounds kind of funny because you know how that's going to turn out. These guys saw with their hearts who Jesus really was. Their eyes were open. The eyes of their hearts were open. <clears throat> Seems obvious to us that uh, we would want Jesus to restore our sight. So, you know, if I'm a blind person and I'm before Jesus and I know from Isaiah Jesus can heal me, that's what I'm going to ask for. But think about this. They're blind beggars. Blind beggars provide a service to society in a way because giving alms to the poor was required of those who had extra to give. Remember the, the rich young person, the rich young ruler that we just talked about? Part of what he would do um, to obey the law was to give alms to the poor. So when Jesus asked him about keeping the law, he's saying, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, giving, my money, I'm giving money to the poor. Jesus asked him to give it all. He couldn't do that. So having those people to, to the Jewish society, having people like that that they could give money to, give alms to, really provided a service to them in a way. It was seen as a way to get a blessing from God because, you know, that was, you know, if I'm, if I'm taking care of this poor person, then God's going to bless me. And uh, maybe I'll get more money back in return somehow. But that was kind of the thought process. It was also um, a way to get a prayer of blessing from the recipient of the gift. It says, uh, you know, beggars today will often say, God bless when you give them money or food. I don't know if you've seen that. You know, you, there's at Kingdom City, there's always guys holding signs. And, um, I, you know, whether, whether they're legitimately in need or not, that's not, me to, not for me to judge. But a lot of signs will say, God bless. And um, I, I, I struggled with whether I should tell this story or not, but I'm, I'm going to tell it. But, you know, I went to uh, Las Vegas every year for the SHOT Show, the big shooting, hunting, and outdoor trade show. And it was the coldest it was the coldest, it's in January, it's coldest winter in Las Vegas in like 30 years or something. I mean, it was cold. It was cold in the desert. There's a lot of homeless people in Las Vegas. And um, some of us were going across from our hotel every morning to where the convention center was, and under this overpass were a group of homeless guys. And, you know, we kind of looked at that and, it's like, you know, a couple of guys started talking. It's like, we need to do something. And so we noticed that most of them didn't have socks. They might have had shoes. Or they might have been barefoot. And it's cold. So it's like, let's go buy them socks. I mean, you know, maybe take them some food, do something. Let's do something, you know. So so we do that. We go to, there's a, actually was a, a wall. There's actually a Walgreens on the strip. So we go and we buy socks. 
And I, 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 there was six or eight of them, and I can't remember the exact number, but they all had their grimy sleeping bags and all this. And so if you've ever dealt with a group like that, there's always the leader. So the leader comes up, and we said, look, man, you know, I know this is not much, but I see you guys need socks. And he's, okay, just, yeah, he was really thankful. One of the guys was in his sleeping bag, hadn't got up. I don't know if he was sleeping, passed out, you know, whatever. But they divvied up those socks, so everybody got a pair of socks, and they took one pair of socks, and they put it over on that guy's sleeping bag. He could have not ever known that there was an extra pair of socks. And he said, God bless you for stopping and doing this. And I thought, you know, as the beggars say, God bless you, um, wow, (laughs) they're the ones that are in need. And I think, you know, and he's telling God to bless me. They're telling God to bless these people given. There's there's a pretty big picture there that we need to not miss. So they asked for sight. And this was the only life they knew as being a beggar, being a blind beggar, people bringing them stuff really taking care of their needs. I mean, they weren't starving to death. They might not have had everything they wanted, but they were taking care of them. So they were headed into uncharted territory. With sight would come responsibility, work, might have to get a job, might have to get an education, marriage and a family maybe. They'd have to become a productive member of the society. You know, that you think about, you know, they, they may not have it... Great, but now there's a whole different set of responsibilities coming in with their sight. So the old life's going to pass away, and a new life begins. There's a, there's a picture of us. Our old life passes away when we come to Christ, and a new life begins. Look at uh, Mark 10:50. if you stayed in Mark. Any. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up. And came to Jesus. So he's going to talk to Jesus. He's a beggar. Mm-hmm. Beggars have a cloak, whatever it is, a ragged old cloak. He doesn't jump up and run with his cloak. He throws off his cloak. He's throwing off his beggar lifestyle. He's throwing off the old, and he's coming to Jesus. So he's throwing off his beggar's attire. Have you cast off your cloak? Are you still in your beggar's cloak? Or have you cast that off and come to Jesus? There's a, there's a beautiful picture there, I believe, in throwing off the old and running to the new and running to Jesus. And in 52, Jesus says, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and he followed him on the way. Um, Jesus often heals with a touch. Sometimes he heals just by saying your faith has made you well. In Matthew, he records his touch. And Mark records the fact that Jesus also says your faith is what made you well because you believe that I am the Son of God and I am the Messiah. And you understood that. So they receive their sight. And what do they do? They follow Jesus. So they become part of the multitude, part of the den, part of the crowd. They don't look back at what meager possessions they might have had. 
It just says they follow him. So the God of the universe showed compassion on them, and their decision was to follow him. Jesus offered up his life for us that we could experience his grace and mercy and compassion. So is our decision to throw off our beggar's clothes and follow him? Or is it easier to remain blind to him and the spiritual healing he provides? The gospel's clear in John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one, no man, comes to the Father but through me. We have to throw off the beggar's cloak. We have to run to Jesus, and we have to set, follow him, rest in him. So he's asking us today, what would you have me do for you? Is it to restore your spiritual sight? Is it to plug it in, whatever it is? You have something, and Jesus is asking us, what is it you want me to do for you? My prayer is that you're requesting your sight. Request your sight that you can see Jesus for who he truly is, that you can follow him. You can no longer be a beggar, but live on the the bread that Jesus provides and, um, and come to him in faith. So if you're not a believer today, this is the day. This is the time to do that. Throw off your cloak and come and follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you, and I just thank you so much, Lord, for uh, just the truths that you show through your word. Uh, Father, I just see myself as that beggar that uh, needs to throw off the old, Lord, and and to just run to you, Father, to follow you in all things, Lord. And um, I just... uh, I just thank you for this body of believers here. Let us have a heart for the gospel. Let us, let us have a heart to serve others, to, to ask what it is that they would have us do for them, Lord, uh, to reflect you in the lives that we lead um, until we are called home to be with you. And, Lord, uh, we just thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, Lord. We thank you that, that you conquered the grave, Lord, you conquered death, and that we have eternal salvation through that. And uh, we just pray for those that don't know you as Lord and Savior. Help us to clearly present the gospel to them. And we pray, Lord, that you would draw them to you, that no one would snatch them out of your hand. We just pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.